0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast. And Mike, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: Yeah, doing great, John and Joe. Thanks for having me and uh, eager to talk some college football. Like you said, it'll be here before we know it.
0: Yeah, it will be. It will be. And I know that... Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the SEC and a lot of teams that have expectations. You got new coaches, you got new players, new quarterbacks, a lot of newness going on, but starting with the Razorbacks, and I know you uh, went through your preview and everything. Just what, what do you make them? Cause I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on this and may sound wishy-washy, but I'm like, I could see them going, you know, six and six again. I, I could see it happening. I could see it being just another average year, but I could also see them like going like eight or four, or nine and three, just because if things go right with the schedule and, getting these uh, new coordinators in, it could go really well. It's really tough to decide exactly which direction to go. So what direction are you going with Arkansas right now?
1: Well, not to sound like a broken record job, but uh, I mean, I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, it certainly feels like the program is at a crossroads, and that does isn't necessarily a bad thing, but um, just the way last season ended, and I think a true evaluation of a head coach and, Sam Pittman, obviously, not, overall, he's been outstanding. You know, we got to remember the, the program he inherited. But I think the true evaluation is not the coordinators he br- brings on the first time because I thought they had the best pair of coordinators in the entire SEC, and that certainly propelled the Razorbacks the last couple of years. But the true test comes now when he has to replace those guys and that doesn't mean Dan Edos and Travis Williams are going to be bad hires, but it remains unknown if those are upgrades or not. Because I know Kendall Rouse not always the most popular in that state, but he overall did a very good job. So it, it's tough, John, in our, our previews, the way we kind of break it down. We try to look at it through you know a fan's perspective. And there, there's only – I got five games on Arkansas' schedule that I think you go into the season and you say those are wins. And then I've got five that are toss-ups and only two that I think are definite losses. So to your point, I mean, six and six all the way to possibly nine and three. I mean, anywhere in that range, I think, is realistic for the Razorbacks.
2: Arkansas is back in a familiar spot on offense with a returning quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, running back, Rocket Sanders. But back to last year where they were with receivers, that's where the big unknown is and they start there again this year, a lot of turnover with the receivers. How do you see the receiving core with Arkansas this year, what they've added?
1: Yeah, again, I mean, they did it last year, though. I mean, they essentially had to do the same thing. They've replaced more or less the entire receiving core, and they did it through transfers. So there's optimism that uh, they can do that again. But just because they did it last year, so obviously no guarantee that they'll do it again. But uh, I got faith in this staff to get that done. But um, the receivers, question mark, but I think an even bigger question mark is tight end, which kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, I, I think tight ends is probably the weakest position group on the entire roster. Now they did add some, they added a guy out of North Texas, Gums, who was prolific at that level. They added a couple of true freshmen that are already hearing good things about and And I believe, uh, maybe the highest rated high school prospect in the state of Arkansas who on the roster now and he's the tight end as well. So there's talent there, but it's unproven talent. Um, once again, just gonna be, have to be relying on these transfers, but it certainly helps that you got kJ Jefferson, who, in my mind, he's the best quarterback in the SEC. If you got the quarterback, that that means so much more than having established receivers in my mind.
0: Well, and the thing too, Mike, is uh, we know that with Arkansas and with every team in the SEC, there's expectations, and you know Sam Pittman's entering into his fourth year. I don't feel like he's on the hot seat. I I feel like if you're on the hot seat, it kind of means you're a do or die year. But just what do you make of his current job status, and what's something that he may have to do this year to to keep that going? Because you can't go from nine wins to seven wins to less than that and expect to be around. But I think also you know going to a bowl game going to postseason winning more games than you did the previous year is also a good start but just what do you make of his current situation as a coach and maybe what he needs to do this season uh to show that he's still the man for the job and still going in the right direction
1: yeah i think now i don't know the validity to all the rumors out there but certainly by the tail end of last season there was a lot of discussion of uh, division in the locker room. I think things like that, we cannot have that for a consecutive season. And um, with so many players jumping into the portal, I think there, that validates some of those rumors. Again, not everything you hear is true. But And then both coordinators leaving. Are they leaving because they don't believe in Sam Pittman, because they don't believe in the direction of Arkansas? I certainly don't think that's the case. And, and you certainly can't blame Barry Odom for... Taking a head coaching job, I mean, obviously, any coaches wants to be a head coach is going to do that. And then the Kendall Biles, I mean, that's well documented. He was a, uh, attaching himself to literally every coordinator position in the world, so it makes sense why Sam Pittman would want to move on. Uh, but I, I think just making sure that the culture is strong, like it appeared to be two years ago, I think that is, is something that I'll be evaluating Sam Pittman on and really last year it was disappointing but the difference job was they were two and four in one score ball games and two years ago they were two and two in one score ball game so we're just talking a very slim margin of error they're not getting destroyed in these games but if you really want to go out and prove that you are the man for the job i think you gotta i don't know that you're gonna accomplish that necessarily this season but it's beating an L S U on the road. It's beating an Alabama, snapping that streak. That'll buy you so much goodwill. Uh now I don't think that's the only thing he's gotta do, but you know, if they win eight games next year, I think he'll have the full support of, of nearly the entire fan base. Uh it, it kinda goes back to what you're saying. We just can't can't go six wins or less, particularly after winning nine games a couple of years ago.
2: Mike, you mentioned going into the season with about five guaranteed wins on the schedule, so that's assuming the four non-conference games. But when you go to that one conference game, which one are you looking at to say that that's a win for Arkansas?
1: It would be Mississippi State at home October 21st. I think any reasonable Arkansas fan you expect to beat Mississippi State at home. So that's and they got obviously a new uh, head coach, new offensive coordinator, a lot of change. Just not sure how good Mississippi State is going to be this year ball uh but multiple toss-ups and that's the tricky part for Arkansas I got A M as a toss-up I got at Ole Miss as a toss-up at Florida as a toss-up Auburn at home as a toss-up and I hate to say it but Missouri at home also a toss-up now I could be talking into Arkansas winning four of those games I'm not sitting here saying they've got a no shot but I, I think those are truly 50-50 games and if you're gonna catch Florida this is the year to catch them. If you're going to catch them in the swamp late in the season after they probably get clobbered by Georgia, I mean, it could not line up any better for, for Arkansas when they're getting Florida. Um, I, I, they should beat Florida, but it, to me that's a toss-up because it is on the road.
0: Speaking with Michael Bryan of that SEC podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline, so, Mike, uh, I know that the SEC schedules reportedly are going to be released tomorrow for 2024 with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas and all of that. Uh, do you think that it'll be what's been reported for Arkansas being Missouri, Old Miss, and Texas? Do you think that's the case? Or do you think that uh, maybe there'll be some other teams, or maybe some other teams you'd like to see them have as their, one of their permanent opponents?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So we, we kind of went through this exercise uh, on my show about a week ago, and just based on – what i'm hearing i mean i I think they are going to try to keep it as balanced as they possibly can And, and how they do that is they essentially as i understand it they're splitting the league into half the top half and the bottom half and they're basing that on the last 10 years in conference play what your record is so based on that method arkansas is a bottom half team and that's good news with this schedule because if that's Truly the way they're going to do it, they're going to give you five bottom-tier teams and then three upper-tier. So a more favorable schedule, uh, I'm not sure that they're locking anybody in to to a three-game model, uh, the, the permanents that have all been rumored, because I as I understand it, and this is not official by any means, but I think they're only doing this for one year. So it's not like it's going to be these are your three you're going to get and, and this is permanent. They're still trying to figure all that out. Uh, but, again, this is just what I'm hearing. There's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've talked to Paul Feinbaum about it. He says, I mean, the schedule's been made for a long time. So I don't know that there's there's much behind the scenes that they really have have to do. I think they, they've known the schedules for quite some time. And I think that's why they were so quick to turn around and say, well, let's get some content out of this. Let's broadcast this thing on Wednesday night. So I'm pretty fascinated to see how it all plays
2: out. That model also changes though, Mike, when you're talking about an eight game schedule, nine games. So with an eight game schedule, you can do the permanent opponent like they've always done. But if you go to nine at some point, that's when you can incorporate the three permanent opponents. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, again, I don't know when they're going to go to nine or if they will. And, And I've, you know, I've had discussions with people with that as well. And it, I've kind of been a nine-game supporter, but I understand the eight. And it, it, Either way, the SEC wins. And if you stay at eight, you're prioritizing trying to get more teams into the college football playoff, which is something that seemingly most fans are obsessed with now. That's I'm not necessarily in that camp, but I understand it. I'm more about getting marquee rivalry games on the schedule so we can see texas and arkansas play every year so we can see texas texas a and m on and on and on i mean there's so many great games that are going to be available to the fcc if they go to the nine games that's why i favor it but again if arkansas want to sit here and say well our goal is to go to the college football the 12 team playoff every couple of years and not just arkansas but all the fcc it. Much easier to do in an eight-game model. So, I just I'm not sure where the SEC is is prioritizing those. But for me, it's it's more about the regular season matchups. I think that's why I love college football. That's what makes college football special in my mind. Not the college football playoff.
0: Well, Mike, I feel like some team or multiple teams they're going to get screwed in this. Like that, there's going to be somebody that doesn't get a game that they want to play or, or wants to go forward. Because it's like you think about Texas, Texas. You know, they can't play Oklahoma, Arkansas, and a permanently every single year because they probably don't want that. Or Alabama, they don't want to play Tennessee and LSU and Auburn every single year. So it feels like one of these games, one of these rivalries is going to get nixed. Who do you think or what do you think ends up happening as far as going forward? Do you think some of these games maybe don't end up happening that everybody thinks should happen each and every year?
1: Well, I would certainly love, not that I anticipate this happening, but I would love after Nick Saban threw a big wrench into this nine-game model, if Greg Sankey comes aboard and says, "Well, guess what, Alabama? You get Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, A&M, Tennessee, on and on." I mean, that that would that's what I'm rooting for. But we all know Alabama; they kind of run the league, so that's not going to be happening. I can guarantee you that. Um, I, I think who gets kind of screwed out of this deal. It's going to be Auburn. It always—it's always Auburn because they got to catch Alabama and Georgia, and then you know I'll, I'll be interested to see how the rest of that shakes out. But they are one of these that is cut into the upper half, even though they are—you know—for being honest, they're not an upper-tier SEC team right now. But they have been the last ten years, so I think they're going to catch some heat, or, uh, some a tough break, so to speak, from the SEC schedule. I, I think that's the one to keep your eye on Auburn. I think Auburn's going to be really upset on Wednesday night.
2: If it is one permanent opponent, you think for Texas OU, since they're coming in together, is it more likely Texas and OU or maybe Texas, Texas A&M?
1: No, it would be Texas at Oklahoma for sure, um, which is another reason I support the nine-game model because what in the world's the point of having Texas and Texas A&M in the same conference if they're not going to play annually. That's just... That's the height of stu- stupidity, if
0: you ask me. Yeah, and I think also because they used to play the day after Thanksgiving or the Thanksgiving weekend every year, and A&M's always mm-hmm. played LSU. So if they bring that game back, I guess you're going to have maybe Oklahoma play LSU at the end of the year because it doesn't seem like you're going to have Bedlam still going on. It's just That's what's going to be fascinating going forward too is the end-of-season rivalry games. And uh, maybe uh, something being changed there different. We know Arkansas is getting Missouri, and that sucks, but it, it is what it is. But you know, I, I'm wondering how that's going to work out, or maybe is it going to be LSU-Oklahoma playing each other on Thanksgiving weekend?
1: Well, the sad thing is, John, we can't get any of this resolved until we know how many conference games they're going to play. And they just keep kicking that can down the road. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I heard someone joke they may even delay this uh, Wednesday schedule release because that's just what they – they've been doing this delay, delay, delay. It's a lightning delay. It's another
0: lightning delay that they have to have going on.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, I I mean, I wish I had an answer for you, but until we know how many games are actually going to be playing, they they can't possibly figure out, you know, the rivalry weekends and and the annual rivals and things of that nature until we know if it's eight or nine.
2: And some of these teams have out-of-conference rivals for that weekend. South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, Louisville. So there's uh, that aspect to think about also.
1: Right. And some of those teams, Kentucky specifically, they do not want to play 10 Power 5 opponents. And, hey, I don't blame them because they they kind of built their program up under Mark Stoops and credit him because, I mean, Kentucky was awful 10 years ago. Now they're solid, you know, uh, they've won 10 games two out of the last five years so credit to them but they are doing it largely by playing a joke of a non-conference and playing an e-schedule so teams like that they are just they're just not wanting to play 10 power five games and i get it so what's the incentive for them to have to play nine plus louisville who finally has hired a coach again to where they may be formidable in that state but I, i think that's part of the the reason we're kind of held up at uh at an eight-game SEC schedule as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know really what the end game is going to be with this whole thing. It it seems like they're trying to figure out. Maybe they already have it figured out, but like you said, they're just waiting until uh, the last minute to try to make a big production out of it too. It's just uh, there's going to be people that are unhappy. There's going to be people that are are, going to be complaining. It just makes me wonder how much pressure are these complaining coaches or ADs or certain schools going to provide because, you know, you think about Texas has kind of been used to running things in Big 12 country. You know, that's kind of what they do. But when they get to the SEC, those offices are still in Alabama. You know, so it makes me wonder, are they going to throw fits if they don't get their way on certain things? So that's what's going to be the interesting dynamic of, it's already pretty egotistical in the SEC. You're going to have two more larger egos part of this conference that may try to have some influence go certain ways too.
1: Yeah, I can almost guarantee it doesn't matter what's, we get revealed on Wednesday night, John, Texas is going to find a way to complain about something. So uh, I'm prepared for that.
0: Yeah, I am too. I am too. Well, Hey Mike, we appreciate you coming on with us as always, man. It's going to be exciting. I'll say tomorrow when uh, the schedule does get officially released and I'm sure everybody will be okay with it and there'll be no problems at all. But uh, before we know it, we'll have sec media days here, which I'm sure will be a lot of fun in mid July. So we're just keeping it moving. But Hey, we appreciate you coming on with us, man and, enjoyed it, and uh, have a great rest of your summer, man. We'll be catching up with you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.